The reading today is from Acts 2, uh, verses 1 to 21, and it's on page 1093 of the Church Bible. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Shall we appreciate Louise for reading? Thank you. Um, It's a wonderful passage, and many times you will hear this passage at, at Pentecost. And it's easy for it to rest at Pentecost and to say that's a Pentecost bit of scripture. And I've done that myself. But actually, as I was thinking about vision and what God is calling us to, what's interesting is it's the Holy Spirit that gave birth to the church. 
the church is birthed in that space. So somehow, I was drawn back to that place to see, let's come back to this place where the church began. What's the church all about? If you were here the last Sunday of John, I was giving us a little taster of vision, a sense of what God might be saying to us for this year into 2025. And we spent time as a church council and staff team in the lounge listening to God together and praying. Now, how do you summarize all those things that God is saying? Because, of course, our God cannot be boxed. We can try, but we cannot manage to box him. Because just when you think you've got him, he moves. Then when you think you've worked out what he's... Then he moves. Then when you think you've nailed... Then he moves. And so, the art for it for us is to be continually open to what he might be saying, to have a yielded heart and spirit and to sense what he's saying and to keep in step with the spirit. It's what you watch in Acts. The church in Acts was alive. It was awake and they were continually watching what God was doing and responding to what he was saying. So the planning is fantastic, and I've done all that. But actually, sometimes in the planning, you find God might drop something, something new, something new, and something new. So we roll with God as he rolls on. You get that lingo? Acts chapter 2, from verse 1 to 21, comes before Acts chapter 2, from verse 42 to 47, which was that section that I focused on last time, the fellowship of believers, using that word koinonia, fellowship, kinonia, as my Greek professor keeps correcting me, fellowship of believers. That fellowship of believers we see happens but it happens after something profound has happened. I took you back to ascension. To that point, Jesus had spent time with his disciples. He had spent so much time with them. In fact, as I look at the young people, I think Jesus had so much fun hanging out with his disciples because they were mixed, weren't they? He called people of different ages, different professions. None of you is a tax collector Maybe you might have an interest in commerce and accounts. None of you is into fishing as a pastime. Into medicine? Maybe more. But there's a whole range of them. And when Jesus called them out, he called them that they might be with him. So he spent time with them and not just the 12. So he had his close beloved one. He had his close Three, he had his 12. But then there were crowds as he performed miracles, signs, and wonders. And he went along and moved from place to place. And people heard him do ministry and miracles all the time. And then it came to the end. And he was on the mountaintop there with them and just about to leave them. This is in Luke. In John, it's a bit more intimate because in John... 
he's spending time with them and he's saying, it's good that I go because the Spirit will come. And unlike me who cannot be everywhere at the same time, the Spirit can be everywhere at the same time. So he can come and will be your advocate. But in Luke, we find this scene in Luke 24 where he's leaving and he says to them, but go, tarry in Jerusalem and wait until the Spirit comes on you. Then you'll be my witnesses. Watch what happens when the Spirit comes in verse 1. We saw this. Amazing. They're united together. There is something about unity and community that is happening in this space. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. The disciples were united together. There was something about community. What a beautiful picture for the church. And it says, in chapter 1, verse 14, they, or is it chapter 2, verse 14? They joined together constantly in prayer. This church spent time in prayer continually. So there was a sense of unity and community, but a sense of prayer and worship as well amongst them. So he says, wait until the Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses. birth of the church. It doesn't just happen with somebody having a fantastic, brilliant idea and saying, now I'm going to start a church. You could do. It could work. Chances are it might not. Because the church is God's idea. It's his baby. And he's the one who gives birth to the church. What a blessing and a privilege that we have to come and journey with him and join in his mission, in his mission. We join in together with him in his mission. It's Lent. We've talked about Lent starting on Wednesday. What a great opportunity for the church, for us as St. John's. Yes, the church of England, the Anglican church forever, but for the church here at St. John's, maybe have a bit of an upper room experience. What could that look like for us? Waiting on the Spirit. Maybe, can I suggest some options? Praying and fasting. Before I became Anglican, my own practice was to pray and fast each week on a set day. That's what I did through the year. Then, I realized in a particular church that I was part of that the only time they thought of prayer and fasting was during Lent, 40 days. But actually, it wasn't that one is better than the other. The key thing I say when you pray and fast is that you actually pray. Because you could do all the fasting and it looks fantastic, but the point of prayer and fasting is waiting on God spending time with God, that his spirit will come, that he'll birth something new. That's the point of it. So you could do all the lovely spiritual disciplines and show off and tick, I've done it, done it, done it, but 
the key thing is that we spend time with God. So this Lent, how might you spend time with God? Maybe read a book. Maybe. Maybe. Find somebody else to pray with. A prayer partner. It's easy to pray on your own, but it could be a little bit easier to pray with somebody. Or a three, if a two is intimidating. You could have a three and feel a bit safer. Talked about connect groups and how important connect groups or small groups are. At the moment, we have 10. My prayer is that in the next two years, we can build from 10 to 20 to reflect the electoral number of 225 at the moment. My, pr my hope is that in April, it will grow. Small groups. We have a small group on a Monday, on a Tuesday, two on Wednesday, two on Thursday, another on Friday, one on Saturday. In fact, I'm told there are now three on Wednesday. Which connect group might you join of the existing ones? Or maybe is God calling you to form one, lead one, host one, be part of one? This is where I apply the pressure. Okay, so let's see. Is there anybody in the room who might like to be part of a connect group and isn't yet? in a connect group, by show of hands. You might, you'd like to, but you're not yet. Let's see your hands. Okay. Okay. Can you raise your hand like properly up? Good. Can you go the next step and stand, please? Okay. Just, just stand. I saw the hands. Um, it's okay, I'm not embarrassed. This is church, okay? So the early church, we see the picture here. They were united in community. There's no shame. When in Acts 4, 32, it says they were one in mind. They were of one mind. So there's no embarrassment to say, oh, now I've got a little problem with my knee and so it's painful, I can't tell Brian because he might think, no, it's, it's family. It's how church family operates. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The maximum number for a connect group in my head is 12. I don't think this is 12. Now, I'm not saying that you form a connect group as you're standing, but I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying, look around and see those of you who are in need of a connect group. What I would love you who are standing to do at the end of the service, please come to me so I can take your name. And our aim is that by end of Feb, we have a connect group for you. All right? So please sit down. Next pressure point, anybody who hosts a connect group already. If you host or lead one, let's see you stand. Those who host or lead connect groups. Great. Good to see, good to see, okay. So when does your connect group meet David and Christine? How many do you have at the moment in your group? So you've got space for six more, two more, 
Okay. The, did you feel that? Did you feel the pressure on them when I said you've got space for civil? <gasps> no, but but they've got space for two more. Okay. So they've got space for two more. Do sit down. Alan and Marilla, how many do you have in your group? Okay. So you're on on the edge. Classroom. Okay. So you're full, but you're there. Great. Um, the other connect group leaders are not here. Kathy and Kathy and yes, Kathy, how many are in yours? Nine. Do you have room for any more? Maybe one more. Okay, maybe one more. Thank you, Kathy. I'm highlighting that because it's a, it's when you see what happens here, okay, you read that reading that we've heard, it carries on and it tells us that after the spirit came, Peter, who had been very timid, preached with such boldness. After he preached, he was preaching a gospel of repentance, a bit like John the Baptist. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. At the end of his preach, 3,000 were added to their number who were saved. 3,000, it's great, isn't it? You've been to New Wine, anybody? Been to Spring Harvest? Satellite? What are the other gatherings? Shout them out. Any big gathering you've been to? Might not be a Christian one. Green Belt? Hillsong? David's Tent? Big gatherings, okay. Or maybe St. John's in the morning where we have about 150. It is almost impossible to do proper in-depth relational ministry with each other in those crowds. You get lost in the crowd. You will come through the door and wonder why at the end of the service the church warden didn't say hello. But you might be able to catch the church warden in a smaller group and get to know him better. Did you know who he was when I pointed here? Some of you did, some of you don't. He's a fantastic Spars fan and many other things. But you, can't, you might not know that for a whole year because in the crowd you'll come and see him and the blessing is done and you go. And you come and see him from a distance and you leave. And then you meet each other on the street. Hello, hello. Oh, we go to the same church. Great. What's your name? Rain. Oh, yeah, you play bass so well. Great, but I, I've only seen you once from a distance. Do you know who I, I just, whose name I just mentioned? No, you're looking. That's exactly the point I'm making. In the crowd, you get lost. But in smaller settings, you can build community better. So home groups, connect groups. They waited together in prayer and Worship. We have encounter once a month, just once a month. I am challenged by the, my, my home church in Uganda. I mean, when I go, they ask me to do ministry, and sometimes I just feel so inadequate because they're so on fire for God. Every month, the first week of the month, every evening is prayer and worship, like every evening, every month. They call it a feast week. Prayer and fasting called Feast Week, great name, isn't it? Daily. I'm not saying they're the closest to heaven, 
I'm just trying to say, when you see this church here, there were some things that they put in place at the birth of this. They were together in the upper room praying and the Spirit came. Are we hungry for the Spirit? Or thirsty for the Spirit? Joel said, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh, young and old, men and women, even on my servants. Did you hear that, that language? Even on my servants. It doesn't matter the class structure or whoever you are. The spirit of God is available for all, for all of us, for all of us. And they that call on the name of the Lord will be saved. We've coined this vision or picture, belong, serve, give, just to help us be able to understand, you know, some structure that makes it easy, okay? Belong, serve, give. I'll write all this so you have a good place to find it and you can understand it better. What could belonging look like? I've touched on some of that because the picture of the cross is that we belong to God first and then we belong to one another. Belonging to God is that heart that I've been laboring on in our prayer and our worship and the hunger for his word, spending time with him that we might be like him. He invited the disciples to be with him that they might be like him. His desire is to transform and conform us to his likeness. That as we move around, Bonhoeffer describes us as a little Christs, a little Christ amongst ourselves. That as you relate to Gita, you see Jesus in her. There's a bit of Christ in Steve Taylor. And there's Christ in Muddy. Plenty of Christ in Fumi. And as you find Yinka and she serves you, you feel the presence of Christ there. Little Christs to each other. That we belong to him first. That we can then give that out to one another. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor. Love him first. Belong. Then fellowship. Fellowship with God. Fellowship with each other. Home groups. Connect groups. Small groups. Prayer triplets. That's where it's all coming from. The belonging. I can say more on that. How about serving? Serving is great because in Acts 6, after this church is birthed, we find that the church is growing because in verse 47 of chapter 2, it says, to their number was added daily those who were being saved. What do we do with these numbers?
choose amongst yourselves those who are full of the Spirit, who will help the different parts. So delegation starts to happen. That you can get fantastic musicians and say, you guys take over the band. And then you can get amazing tech people at the back and say, you do the tech. And then you get those who are skilled with money and you say, you look after the money. And you get those who are fantastic at helping set up the crash, and you say, you help us set up the crash. And those who are really good at praying, you help pray. I'm pointing at some of these people. They are good at doing these things and much more. And that's how the church grows. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, we see the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit poured out to all. Everybody's got a gift to offer. What does service look like? One of the things that we'd love to do is to interview you as we go through and say, good morning, Dexter. Good to see you. And might say, Dexter, what do you do in the week? You don't have to answer this now. It's just an example. But I might do something like that and say, in the week, invite people on a Sunday and say, let's hear your story. Because we know those that we usually see up front and those whose names are on everything. But how about the many others who are at the back, like Michael? Hello, Michael. What does life look like for you away from a Sunday? What does service mean? Service means service in church, but actually a lot of it happens in the workplace. Many of us are busy serving the Lord where he's called us and stationed us, in your jobs, in your homes, wherever that is. What does serving God look like? And how about giving? We are called to be a church that is generous. In Acts 4, we find this beautiful picture saying that nobody was in need. There were one in mind and heart, but they gave so generously to one another that there was no need in the place. Individuals' needs were met, but also the needs in the place. So I'll say a bit more about this one when we come to the giving um, talk on the 25th of Feb, just preparing you for this. But when we look around this building, it could so easily take all the money that comes into the church and much more. It's a wonderful grade two listed building, isn't it? It's lovely to look at, but actually you also need to maintain it. But what areas could we focus on this time in our giving? And it might be that on your own, without any of us highlighting, you might just walk in and say, my heart is just drawn to those lights. An example. And you say, I would like those lights to be more eco-friendly. This might be your thinking. Then you ask, who is the church treasurer? Um, how much does it cost to get eco-friendly lights? And they might give you a price like, I don't know, shout out a, a number. Give me a number. J just give me a number in your head. 55,000, okay. And then you say, the Lord has just blessed me with 55,000. It's an example. Don't take these things literally. Um, and then you say, um, 
I might, do you remember that some story where it says, um, the beggar, silver and gold have I not, but in the name of, so you might say, I don't have 50,000, but I could pray. I can pray that God will give us 50,000. And as you pray, God might touch somebody who can, do you get my drift? That's an example. Or you might say, as Angela was leading worship so beautifully, I had this speaker go. And then you say, um, how much does it cost to replace a speaker? And then David Miller might give you a number. And then you say, um, can I replace one? And then you might say, I've got 10,000 for one. And you add to it. Are you getting my point? The way the church grows is that we belong to God, to one another. We offer our gifts to him to use. Giving is part of it because a generous heart means that the needs of the people are met, but the needs of the church are also met. And in so doing, you find that you have a cooker that can prepare meals for you in the week and you can do your social events, not because it's just arrived, but somebody bought it and that is us. We will say more about that later, but I want to finish by bringing us back to Lent. These people were one in heart and mind. But where does it start? It starts with them spending time in the presence of God. I've got some books here that I'm personally focusing on this Lent. What are you going to read in Lent? Just tell your neighbor. If you, if you have nothing, it's fine. Just say uh, nothing. That's okay too. But if you've got something that you've planned, what are you going to read? What's your focus this Lent? So if it's nothing, that's okay. you can say just nothing. I'm going to read personally, these are my two, and just so you know that I'm also reading something, in case you wonder, you might want to read what I'm reading. I'm reading books that I've read before, because my theme in my head is to return, so I'm not trying to manufacture something new, just so the purpose-driven church, this I read a long time ago, and I'm coming back to it again because I'm in that place of the birthing of the church. So for me, there is something that God is saying to us, but God is saying to me as me. There is another one here. In fact, this was given to me by, or recommended by Sarah, who is here when I worked with Sarah years ago. And this is Ordering Your Private World, beautiful book by Gordon MacDonald. Ordering Your 
public? No. Private world. That's mine. I've got one interesting one here for connect groups on the Apostles' Creed, I believe, and more. What are you going to read? This is, I'm not doing the whole church. This is for you as you. What are you going to read or pray for? Hear these words, and I'm going to pray to finish, and Angela is going to lead us with the band. They'll play a couple of songs. We'll formally finish here, but just allow space for you maybe to linger here in worship. When you're ready, there'll be tea and coffee served. Um, I did this intentionally because we spent time with the children a bit longer together before they went out. Um, but hear these words as we finish. From Joel chapter 2. Rend your heart. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows, he may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing. Lord, we want to be your people who seek your face above all things, who remember that the church is about you. In our fellowship, in our serving, where you've called us, in our worship, in our giving, help us, Lord, to be guided by your spirit. But more than that, help us to be open to your spirit, to hear, to see what you're doing and to respond. Help us to be those who welcome one another. Whatever our story or background or gender or race or tribe, Lord, you love us all the same. So come by your spirit and meet with us. We'll be like the church in Acts that's so on fire for you, looking out for one another's needs. Where we see signs and wonders, come by your spirit and revive us again. In Jesus' name, amen. And so when, when you're ready, please do respond in, in worship. Feel free to sit or stand.